This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to the Sport Governance podcast series. My name is Kate Corkery and I am the Director of Sport Governance and Strategy at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will take a deep dive into the sport governance principles and how they come to life in practice. Each podcast will focus on an individual principle with a special guest joining me to share their experiences and practical advice with respect to that principle. In today's episode, we are focusing on principle three, the game plan, a clear vision that informs strategy. Principle three highlights that the board is responsible for overseeing the organization's vision and strategy, as well as determining what success looks like. To discuss the game plan, we are privileged to be joined by Rob Scott, Chair of Rowing Australia and Managing Director and Chief Executive of West Farmers. Rob holds a Master of Applied Finance degree from Macquarie University and a Bachelor of Commerce degree from the Australian National University. He has a graduate diploma in applied finance and investments and is a qualified chartered accountant. He is a dual Olympian in rowing and a silver medalist from the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. As well as Chair of Rowing Australia, he is a member of the University of Western Australia's Business School Advisory Board. Rob is a past president and director of the Insurance Council of Australia. Rob, thank you for joining me to discuss the game plan. Thanks, Kate. This principle starts with vision and purpose and then sharpens focus on the role of strategy in connecting the object's purpose and vision of an organisation. How important is a national sporting organisation's vision insofar as its capacity to unite all sections of a sport beyond the NSO itself? Well, Kate, look, I think it's really important. Uh, The reality is that the health and sustainability of a sport is dependent on vibrancy in all areas. And I guess if you think about a lot of NSOs, often uh, often the focus might have been very much at the high performance level. Certainly a sport like rowing historically has been like that. But the reality is that for us to be successful in the high performance area, we need to have a really strong base. We need to be strong and relevant at a grassroots level We need to engage all areas of the sport to be successful. Uh, And I think that's increasingly important as uh, sports continue to promote their relevance in the Olympic Games, for example. You need to show that your participation rates, your engagement is relevant. Uh, So for us, this has been really important. Um, One of the lessons for us as a sport, if I go back uh, about five or six years ago, there was this sense that we were a very... Canberra-centric organisation. The team was based in Canberra, predominantly focused on the high-performance aspects of the sport. Uh, Some in our sport referred to Rowing Australia as Fortress Canberra. Uh, So we've tried to make a real effort in recent years to engage more deeply across the states, across the country, uh, to really tap into a lot of the fantastic and passionate people that we have in the sport of rowing. You refer to the perception of Fortress Canberra by accepting and acknowledging that perception. Did that give you an opportunity to more strongly unify the vision of the sport? Well, it's, it's interesting. We spent a bit of time really reflecting on what is it that binds us all together? What is the common vision or purpose? Uh, and if you think about the different participants in our sport, you've got people in the national team, you've got veteran rowers, masters rowers, you've got school rowers, you've got volunteers, you've got people involved in community rowing. So what is it that binds us all together? We were, we were really fortunate that one of our uh, alumni just happens to be the CEO of uh, an international um, 
advertising and brand agency. So we tapped into Marty O'Halloran's uh, uh, expertise from D, uh, DDB worldwide, and he came up with this phenomenal piece of work following really detailed stakeholder interviews. And it really kind of came back to this this sense of what brings us all together in the sport of rowing is this this uh, you know this common theme around excellence, um, always striving uh, to be better at what we do, no matter whether we're a school rower, a veteran rower, or an Olympic rower. Um, and really bringing together some of the imagery and the, the, the aspects of our sport that bring us all together and make us all very passionate about it. So that, that was a really powerful way for us to, uh, I, I guess, unify the purpose uh, and bring people together in the sport of rowing. So springboarding off that concept of excellence within an environment such as sport, which has really limited resources, how significant is it to ensure that all parts of the sport have aligned strategic plans? Well, yeah, look, very important. And I think there's various reasons why it's important. I'd say, first of all, given that we have limited resources, if we are aligned um, and leveraging capabilities, then we can reduce costs. So there's a lot of administrative aspects that we're all subject to that uh, through better streamlining and alignment, we can just simply save money, save cost, and then uh, invest that that money into more value adding things. Um, the other reason why it's so important to be aligned is that as, you know, a lot of sports rely very heavily on volunteers, very heavily on the discretionary effort of uh, many people, uh, including the board of directors, I guess, given that we all um, you know, we're not uh, paid in paid roles. Um, so the more that we can have alignment, then the more we can be working together and mobilising and inspiring that discretionary effort of volunteers. So that's really important. Look, I think another, another really important thing to remember is that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of passion and a lot of emotion in sport. Um, and, it, you know, that can be a really powerful part uh, of, of the success of sport if you can tap into that passion and emotion. But sometimes that passion and emotion cannot be constructive, particularly if it is around uh, individuals trying to preserve vested interests or, um, or, or, or personal, personal perspectives. So that's why it's really important as a sport that we really face into what are we trying to achieve as a sport uh, and then put in place the settings to ensure that we're giving people the tools they need to be successful, but we're all ultimately working together uh, for a common goal. Indeed. And, and you've really highlighted there the incredible efforts of volunteers at all levels of sport and the opportunity we've got across um, national and state levels in sport to bring to life the vision. How can a sport develop a strategic plan that does engage those volunteers, that does engage and leverage the state um, and the NSO to ensure that they are aligned to the organisation's strategy? Yeah, well, I think you, you touch on an important point, and that's uh, within all sports, it's really important that we recognise the very distinct roles and responsibilities of the national body, state bodies, and, and in different sports, club club entities. And the reality is that most national sports organisations simply don't have the capacity, nor are they well equipped to really manage a lot of the on the ground issues at a state level. So if I, if I take a sport like rowing, 
we rely very heavily on our state associations to uh, do things such as manage local uh, rowing regattas. Uh, to do that effectively, they need to engage with local councils and authorities. They need to mobilise um, mobilize the volunteer base at a local level. So I, I think what's really important when you go about setting your strategy, setting your strategic plan as a sport is, is to acknowledge those differences. Because although alignment, um, alignment and in some cases centralisation can be positives for sport, they can also be distinct negatives. Sometimes sports try and centralise too much power in the, the, the central unit and then lose sight of the fact that the people that bring the sport to life on the ground are actually located out in the regions. Um, so I think being really clear about what roles and responsibilities are uh, and then stepping back and thinking about, well, as a national body, how can we provide the, the governance, the tools, the support, um, the facilities to help, to help our states and our clubs be successful? Um, how can we give our states and our clubs a sense of empowerment that they have a, a sense of accountability to, to make things happen uh, on the ground? And that is just so critically important because I think to really engage and mobilise volunteers, you need to make sure that you're doing that in local areas where you can be very, uh, you know, very connected and hands-on with uh, those groups of people. And what's the role of the, the board in embedding and communicating the organisation's vision and strategy uh, sort of across the sport and, and down to that grassroots level? And do you have any examples of where you've seen this done really well? Well, I guess when I think about strategy, uh, strategy and vision, I'd say the role of the board is very much to set help set the strategy and then monitor the implementation of strategy. Uh, I think you need to be realistic as a board of directors uh, in, in terms of how much of a role can you have in communicating and embedding strategy. So um, in many ways, the boards rely on management um, to, uh, to embed strategy and communicate strategy. Uh, so that makes that that means that boards need to make sure they number one have the right management team in place. Um, so the decisions they make about the leadership of the sport are critically important. But then make sure they have the right um, monitoring um, systems in place to monitor how how well things are going. I I guess at a board level there is still a still the role of a board to be connected and visible. And that does go to communicating and embedding strategy. One area that we've focused on is to try and make sure that our board is representative of the different areas of our sport, the different regions of our sport, so that we have a board that is, by definition, more connected with the sport. We've also tried to make sure that, uh, and this was pre-COVID, we're looking forward to bringing it back, but getting our board out into the regions, out into the state, so that we move around the board meetings uh, and after board meetings, organise sessions where we bring people in from the from the state or the regions to to spend time with the board, so we can hear directly with them. So those things I, I think are, are really important uh, ways for the board to communicate and embed strategy. But ultimately, we rely very heavily on management, and that means we need to have good processes in place to monitor how management are going. 
So the, the question of monitoring is a really interesting one, and I guess one that boards do do struggle with. So you go through the post process of consulting and developing the strategy, and, and within it, the sort of objectives. How do you set up the performance managers uh, measures, sorry, the performance measures, so that um, the board is clear about what it's going to be measuring and and who's accountable for that? Yeah, so it looks another very good question. And I'd say, I, th- I think in rowing, we're still on the journey to try and get that set up the right way. I, you know, we're, we're working through a strategic planning process at the moment. And this year we've agreed as a board and with the management team that we're going to pay far more attention to once we set the whole sport plan, we want the management team to come back to us with very clear a very clear plan around how the organisational structure, the leadership roles uh, are set up to deliver on that plan and also face into the realities of resourcing. You know, we have limited resourcing. We want to do a lot of things. So being realistic about whether we have a resourcing plan to support the strategy that we want to deliver. So I'd say it's very much a work in progress within, within our sport. I guess the other, you know, the other observation I've taken from business is sometimes when you let, you know, if you let uh, consultants take over your planning process, uh, you end up with about 50 KPIs uh, that uh, you, you're really focused on in terms of managing the effectiveness of the delivery of your plan. Sometimes I think you can go overboard with the granularity that you measure out those outcomes. I think it's really important as a board to step back and ask yourself, what are the what are the handful of of outcomes? What are the what are the small number of things that we really need to pay close attention to that are really going to drive or determine the success of our plan? And I guess in that regard, it, you know, I'd say there's the what and the how. Um, the what might be, well, what do we want to achieve? We want to win gold medals at the Olympics. We want to increase the participation levels in our sport. We want to increase uh, non-government funding sources. Like those are pretty easy things to measure. But the things that we're spending more time thinking about is the how, and that is how are we going about building up a more sustainable future for our sport? So, it's all very well to win medals at the Olympic Games, but how are we going with developing out the pipeline of future champions? Um, what are we doing to ensure that we're building a high-performance system that is long-term and sustainable? So are we, are we focusing enough effort on the other parts of our athletes' lives that are going to be critical if we are going to keep them engaged in the sport for longer? So I think we still have some work to do on measuring the how, and I guess these are, I, I think, the lead indicators that are all about long-term sustainable success in the sport rather than some of the short-term measures such as medals at the Olympics, uh, commercial funding and participation, which are easier to measure. So if, if you're talking about the what and the board is then looking at its decisions, which really create a lot of the how, how can a board ensure that its decisions and the operations of the organisation are aligned to that strategy? And what are the risks if the board starts making decisions that aren't aligned to the strategy? Yeah, well, look, I think it's important 
as a board to have really good feedback loops in place. Like the reality is that as a board, despite your best efforts, you, 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 know, you don't have real-time visibility of everything happening. So you need to make sure that you have an organisational culture that is very open, uh, such that, and you know, I, I know the way that we describe it in our company, and it's the same as how we talk about it in rowing, that an open culture is one where bad news travels faster than good news. Um, so, you know, we want to, if there is a problem, if there's a problem lurking around, then we want to hear about it immediately. And once, once an issue or a problem has been identified, then we can all work on it together rather than these problems lingering and festering and then becoming bigger and bigger problems. So look, often when you step back and think about the effectiveness of the organisation, your effectiveness at delivering on strategy, you need to recognise that not everything's going to work all the time. So it's really having, having good feedback systems in place that you identify when issues are arising and then it lets you diagnose the problem. Is, is there a problem because there's a misalignment in uh, objectives? Is there a problem because there's a lack of resources? Uh, are there other problems that are arising? Um, and really you just need to be very open and transparent about that. So having those feedback mechanisms in place are important. Um, having really, like the other thing, and it does come back to monitoring strategic plans, and that is the responsibility of the board. It's, it's having really good reporting. And good reporting doesn't mean lots of reporting. It means really clear and coherent reporting that gets to the heart of the issues. So some of the things that we always look at, which I think once again are lead indicators on how well the organization's going, is some of the, you know, the personnel, cultural measures within the organization, what's happening with turnover, what's happening with absenteeism, what's happening with safety, like they're always good measures. Um, the financial discipline within the organisation, um, the, you know, ha ha how are we tracking around uh, following up on action items that have been identified through the board meetings. Um, you just need to make sure you keep on top of these issues. And, and I guess if you've got those good uh, reporting mechanisms in place, it lets you identify when things start to go off the rails. So you've really touched on there um, a lot of issues around the organisational culture, and, and that's a key theme that modern good governance is anchoring into more than ever before, and it comes up quite repetitively in the sports governance principles. Um, what, what is the, the impact that a strong strategy or an aligned strategy across a sport can have on the sports culture? Well, look, I, I think it's I think it's absolutely critical, um, and you know, I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, as a board, as I said earlier, you need to be realistic about what the board's role is with respect to culture. Um, you know, I do believe that boards have a very important role to play. It is very much I think about setting the expectations of the organisation. It is monitoring progress to ensure that we are delivering the outcomes uh, in a way that are consistent with the culture we want to live. But, but we need to also recognise that what, you know, who, who really embeds and brings the culture to life? Well, it's not the board that meets six to eight times a year. It is the management, it is the athletes, it is, uh, it is the broader participants within the sport. 
Um, so I, I think that is that is really important. So it then just comes back to have we you know have we set a vision for the sport that aligns everyone? Um, you know, is that is that authentic? Is it meaningful? Um, have we you know have we tackled into the issues where there are roadblocks or tension points within the sport? And look, there are always there are always tension points. Um, Within within all organisations, and I think the way you face into those are really important around culture. Um, you know the way that you act when things don't go go right um, or go well. I, I think is really really important for organisational culture. So, um, you know, I think what what I you know if I kind of reflect back on my time with the Rowing Australia board, the you know I'd say one of the key things that we can do as a board is that when issues aren't, when, when something's going wrong, then face into it really quickly and communicate effectively, bring people together, don't allow the Chinese whispers to occur, um, you know, really just try and bring people together and have a, ha, have a, a more open um, discussion about the issues. I think that's, uh, you know, that's one of my learnings within, um, within sport and I think it's, it's certainly equally relevant uh, in most organisations. Excellent advice. Thank you for that. So if there's directors listening to our discussion thinking, I don't know where to start with strategy, you know, where, where do I begin? Where do I look? Um, do you have any advice on that? Well, um, look, I think there are lots of different approaches to strategy development um, and I won't necessarily go uh, go through all of those, but I think to... I think initially just starting off and, and trying to be clear about what you're trying to achieve as a sport. Um, something that I think, you know, something that we have found really powerful um, in, in our organisation is to just keep reminding ourselves that our reason for being uh, as a sport is for the participants in our sport. Um, so really focusing in on the rower, the athlete. Like we are not here as a sporting organisation for the benefit of the administrators, right? The, you know, the sport of rowing and the success of rowing is not about our success as individuals on the board. It is about the success of all the people out there rowing. So be really clear about who your stakeholders are and, and who, you know, who you're there to serve. And you know, we are there to serve rowers across all spectrums of the community across all ages. So there's an accountability for us to our, our national team that represent our country at World Championships and Olympic Games. Uh, we also have a role to play for social and community rowers um, at, a, at a junior level, at a senior level, at a master's level. We have rowers rowing into their, 90, into their 90s. Um, and then there are all those volunteers that we talked about as well that also feel a deep connection to the sport. So being really clear about, well, what are the things that we're doing as a sport to help these people? You know, that's what it's all about. And as, you know, I think where you touched on, Kate, at the start is making sure you have a strategy that unites all aspects of the sport. Um, you know, often I think companies, companies or sports they think about strategy in terms of there's a whole lot of trade-offs. Either in sport, either we're going to focus on the high performance area or we're going to focus on the community and participation area. 
And I think part of the problem with strategy development is organisations get themselves all confused. We're either going to be one or the other and that they're competing against each other. In some ways, that's analogous to how some companies think. Some companies think I'm either going to try and deliver profit and return to shareholders or I'm going to focus on all these things that are good for the community and the environment. Well, that's not the way I think about it at all. The more, you know, the more experience I've had in business and sport, the more I think that these things are inextricably linked. So in a company environment, at my company, West Farmers, we, you know, we're very focused on delivering superior returns for our shareholders. And we know that if we do the right thing by our team members, our customers, the communities in which we operate and the environment in which we, we operate, then we will ultimately over the long term deliver better outcomes for our shareholders. I think the analogy with sport would be, okay, we, you know, in the sport of rowing, we want to win a lot of medals at the Olympic Games. And I think over the long term, we'll be even more successful at delivering on that if we have a very vibrant rowing community across Australia, if we're deeply engaged and connected, if we're leveraging the phenomenal um, capability and ingenuity of our alumni and, and volunteers. Um, so they are the things I think that boards should be reflecting on in the context of strategy development. Really interesting observations and um, thank you for joining me and your valuable insights into principle three, the game plan. Thanks, Kate. If you'd like to access a copy of the Sport Governance Principles, you'll find them at the SportOz website, sportoz.gov.au forward slash governance. If you have any feedback or questions, please email us at sportsgovernance at ausport.gov.au. My name is Kate Corkery and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Sport Governance series.